0: The American Council of the Blind presents ACB Reports, a monthly news magazine featuring topics of interest to people who are blind or have low vision. I'm Mike Duke. This month... The 21st Century Communications and Video Accessibility Act of 2010 is an important piece of accessibility legislation for people who are blind. Learn more about the implementation of this law on ACB Reports for October 2016. Elliot Greenwald is the Deputy Chief of the Disability Rights Office at the Federal Communications Commission. During the annual conference and convention of the American Council of the Blind, Mr. Greenwald explained the various sections of the 21st Century Communications and Video Accessibility Act and their implementation. He was introduced by ACB Vice President Jeff Tom.
1: Access to information is obviously as important as anything in our lives and the Federal Communications Commission has an important part to play in so many areas of importance to us in all aspects of our daily lives, from television to telecommunications. Today we have with us Mr. Elliot Greenwald. Elliot is an attorney in the Consumer and Governmental Affairs Bureau of the Federal Communications Commission, where he is Deputy Chief of the Disability Rights Office and Special Assistant to the Bureau Chief on Telecommunications Relay Service he began his career as an attorney in the late 1970s and early 1980s in the old common carrier bureau of the fcc after spending many years at several law firms where he provided pro bono legal services for telecommunications to the deaf and hard of hearing he then returned to the commission in 2011 to work in the disability rights office among other things mr greenwall has helped implement the 21st Century Communications and Video Accessibility Act of 2010. We are very pleased to hear today from Mr. Elliot Greenwald. Let give him a hand. So
2: I'll start off by mentioning that um, the CVAA, rather than using the term Audio description uses the term video description, although um, I'll use the term audio description since that seems to be the preferred term around here, and I'll get more into that later. As a number of you probably know, the FCC first adopted audio description rules in the year 2000, but unfortunately a number of industry players uh, brought suit to the Court of Appeals, saying the FCC didn't have authority Uh, The Court of Appeals invalidated those rules, agreed with the industry saying the FCC didn't have authority, which meant it would take an act of Congress to correct the situation. And thanks to the hard work of a number of people, including uh, Eric Bridges and Mark Reichert, who are both here on the platform, there was this act of Congress known as the CVAA. And so let's give a shout out to Eric and Mark for the hard work that they did to bring that about. So in 2011, the FCC was able to reinstate the uh, original audio description rules that were adopted a decade earlier. And those rules require that TV broadcast stations in the top 25 markets that are affiliated with the top four networks, that's ABC, NBC, CBS, and Fox, must provide 50 hours of audio description per calendar quarter. That works out to about four hours a week. Audio description must be on either primetime programming or children's programming, and the 25 markets was expanded to 60 markets as of July 1st of 2015. For cable and satellite systems as serving 50,000 or more subscribers, uh, they must provide audio description on the top five national non-broadcast networks. Non-broadcast networks that provide primarily live and near-live programming, that would be, for example, ESPN, which is primarily sports programming, or CNN, which uh, is primarily news programming, those are not included in the requirement. So it's the top five networks that are doing a fair amount of pre-recorded programming. And then all broadcasting, as well as cable and satellite systems, no matter how small or whether they're in the top 25 or 60 markets or not, if they are technically capable, must pass through audio description. So since a number of the audio described programs and network programs, if they're technically capable, they must pass them through. And then the same program cannot be counted more than twice. So they could show the program, they could show a rerun of the program each time it counts towards the hours, but the third time that program is shown, whenever that program is shown, whether the same quarter or another quarter or even several years later, it would not count uh, towards the requirement. Then in April of 2013, the FCC passed the emergency information report and in order, and that order calls for when emergency information is provided as part of a regularly scheduled program in Crawls or scrolls at the bottom of the screen and provide visually. uh, It must be conveyed orally on the secondary audio channel. That's the same secondary audio that video description is on, and it must be conveyed twice. And that's after the beep, the tones, the three tones that you hear that uh, say that there's an emergency. But finally, you can find out what the emergency is, uh, as opposed to prior to the CVAA. You'd get the three tones, you'd know there was an emergency, but you would have no idea what it was about. And this applies to all stations, regardless of their size, if they're providing these scrolls and and crawls. What this does is that by requiring all stations that provide these crawls and scrolls to provide the emergency information orally on the secondary audio, it means that a lot of the stations in smaller markets and smaller Cable systems now have uh, the technical capability to provide audio description. So as a result of that, audio description is being passed through in a lot more markets. Now in May of 2015, the FCC waived certain aspects of that requirement uh, for non-textual information, such as graphical information and, and maps. Uh, does not have to be conveyed orally until November of 2016, uh, and that was based on technical problems that were brought to us by the industry. At that time, there was also a. Uh, the, the, I think the original deadline was supposed to be in May of 2015, and that was extended to November 30th, 2015. But that uh, deadline is coming, coming, gone, and everybody, as far as we know, are, is in compliance with that deadline. Although analog-only systems, of which there are very few left, have until 2018 to comply, and probably by that date there may not even be any more analog-only systems. There was also a waiver for audible school closing, for the audible school closing requirements, because school closings are part of emergency information. The problem that the industry was faced with that they brought to our attention is sometimes these school closing announcements are very lengthy, and if they're put on in full, that would totally preempt the program that might be watched in audio description. So the FCC is looking at uh, what to do about that issue as we speak now. Another uh, order that was adopted... Uh, was the user interface and program guide order in October 2013 because audio description doesn't do you any good unless you can get to it. This um, order requires that user interfaces and program guides must be easily accessible, which means that oral information must be provided, um, and you can also speak into the user interface and program guides. the deadline is December 20th of this year, although Comcast uh, came in about a year, almost two years early in, in making this available. And a shout out to Comcast for doing that. We fully expect everybody else in the industry to comply by December 20th. Um, we keep reminding the industry of that, and we hope they do comply. Um, they were on notice that there would be such requirements since the CVA was adopted in October 2010. Uh, when the rules were adopted three years later, uh, they were given a three-year implementation date, but they could have been planning even before the rules were adopted. So they've had a total of six years to know about this. And this applies to TVs that are manufactured after the compliance date, which means hopefully all the TVs in the fall lineup of new models, uh, which are made available in terms of the holiday shopping season, should hopefully uh, all be in compliance by now, even though technically they're not required to comply until December. Satellite and cable companies must provide accessible set-top boxes upon request at no extra charge after the compliance deadline, uh, so that even if the only accessible set-top boxes that a cable or satellite company has is a higher end box than the one you are subscribing to. If that's the only one available, they must provide it at no extra charge, although in order to prevent people without disabilities from ordering set-top boxes that they don't want to pay for, they're allowed to require documentation to demonstrate disability. There was also a an emergency information second report in order adopted in May of 2015, which requires the pass through of audible emergency information to secondary screens such as laptops, tablets, and smartphones when the emergency information is delivered over the cable or satellite systems network and is part of its services. Um, and that deadline is July 10, 2017, so we have another year before that deadline. Um, Then there was a user interface, second report in order adopted in November 2015, and that one requires that people with disabilities receive access to information and documentation on the functionalities of the devices that they are obtaining. That could be included in user guides, bills, installation guides, and product support information through technical support. It requires equipment manufacturers to notify consumers about the availability of accessible devices on their websites. It requires manufacturers and video programming distributors to provide a contact person or office to answer questions about their accessible equipment and features. And as of December 20th, 2016, a mechanism for activating the secondary audio to access audible emergency information must be simple and easy to use, such as a button, key, or icon, or comparable method. And since we were able to adopt this requirement for emergency information, since the same secondary audio channel is used for audio description, that would make it much easier to access audio description as of December 2016. And the commission also ruled on reconsideration that closed captioning and video description activation mechanism relying on a gesture control will be permissible if they are simple and easy to use. So that avoids the situation where people may have had to do various kinds of complicated gestures to get the change made. Then in the second further notice, the commission proposed to require manufacturers and video programming distributors to ensure that consumers are able to readily access the user display settings for closed captioning. For those who are not familiar with that, um, as part of the digital TV transition, the FCC adopted requirements, they're also known as the 708 features, to be able to make adjustments to various aspects of captioning, which helps people with low vision who rely on captioning, such as the type of font, the size of the font, the color of the uh, captioning, the color of the background captioning, uh, as well as contrast, all things like that which people with low vision can take advantage of to improve the accessibility of the captioning. However, the problem is is that many of the um, TVs as well as cable set-top boxes required a degree in electrical engineering in order to be able to access and work those controls. So, the proposal is to make those controls simple and easy to use. Uh, the FCC has accepted comment on that. Uh, the comment period is closed, and we 're hoping to be able to come out with an order uh, before the end of the year uh, it 's part of the chairman 's priority, so I think we, we we should be able to do that and then, for the probably what the big issue here is that the in April of two thousand and sixteen the FCC released a Notice of Proposed Rulemaking to expand the availability of audio description and included a number of proposals in that. First is to increase the amount of the required audio description per calendar quarter from 50 to 87.5 hours, which works out to about seven hours per week. That would be the maximum that Congress will allow us to do under the CVAA. Uh, Another would be to increase the number of broadcast networks from four to five. And the number five network is Univision. So if the FCC adopts that, it will allow the Spanish-speaking community to obtain audio description. It would also increase the number of broadcast networks from five to ten. And a companion proposal is to adopt a no backsliding rule. So under the current rules, if a non-broadcast network drops out of the top five uh, down to number six, it's no longer required to offer audio description. But if there were no backsliding rule, uh, even if it dropped out of the top five or if adopted the top ten, it would still be required to provide audio description. Another rule is is that right now the uh, audio description rules apply to the top five nationwide non-broadcast networks, the non-TV broadcast networks that you see on cable and satellite, those are defined as they have to reach at least 50% of the households. But under this proposal, if there were a regional network that covers fewer than 50% of the TV households, that means it would pass by fewer than 50% of the TV households, Uh, but it was among the top ten non-broadcast networks it could be included if these rules were to be adopted. It would also require dedicated customer service representatives who can answer questions about accessing audio description, uh, so that way you don't have a uh, problem when you call in to a, a cable satellite company and the person who answers the phone doesn't know what audio description is. They will be required to be trained to at least know what audio description is. If they're not the ones to answer your questions, they would be able to refer you to somebody who does, or they could have a dedicated phone line for audio description questions. There are different ways they can approach it, but the idea would be that that way the questions can get answered. It would require electronic filing of petitions for exemption, of which we've received none to date, which is very good. Um, rather than paper filing which would make them more accessible uh, as well as responses could be done electronically. It seeks comment without a proposal on the availability of program guide information with respect to audio description. And hopefully the comments and reply comments will provide us with additional information to perhaps conduct additional proceedings in that regard. Uh, And this is uh, a shout-out to Joel Snyder, one of his favorites is to change the name in the rules from video description to audio description. And comments were filed on June 27th, reply comments are due on July 26th. And again, this this proceeding is also one of the Chairman's priorities, so we hope that the Commission will be able to vote on an item. No, No promises, just like the other one, but we're hoping there'll be able to be a Commission vote before the end of the year. Also on a couple of other topics, um, in October of 2015, uh, the FCC's Disability Advisory Committee um, hosted a summit on the communications needs of people with cognitive and intellectual disabilities. And panels of experts in that uh, summit included communications technologies for independent living, emergency preparedness uh, and living in the community and the third one was ensuring and funding access to equipment training and broadband for people with cognitive disabilities and there was um, an exhibition of assisted technology during that summit and then one other um, aspect of the CVA that I'd like to talk about today is advanced communication services Um, advanced communication services There are four categories of such services, um, interconnected voice over the internet, non-interconnected voice over the internet, electronic messaging, which would be things like texting, email, text chatting, and other such services, and interoperable video conferencing services. And basically what the CVA requires and what the FCC rules require that were adopted in October 2011 and became effective in October 2013 is Advanced Communication Services, also known as ACS, must be accessible unless not achievable. Achievable, under the, both Congress's and the FCC's definition, means can be accomplished without unreasonable difficulty or expense. Uh, now, not all products must be achievable, so long as there are a variety of products and services over a range of prices that are accessible. And one issue that has been before the commission, which the uh, commission addressed again in February 2016, are e-readers. Let me give you a little bit of background on on e-readers. Congress directed the FCC to waive the ACS requirements when a product is primarily for a non-ACS purpose, uh, but may include some ACS functions in that. So a lot of the products that are used to work with tablets, laptops, smartphones, are multi-purpose devices of which they have multiple primary purposes, including the ACS purposes like texting and email uh, and, and other things. So those types of products are, are always covered. Uh, but a number of years ago, the e-reader coalition asked us to say that basic e-readers, and there are really two types of e-readers. You have your basic e-readers, and then you have your more advanced e-readers, which are really tablets. So they're asking for this exemption just for the basic e-readers, where they're primarily used just for reading, um, and that they asked for an exemption for that. And unfortunately, the way the statute is written, uh, we had to give them an exemption because we must follow the statute. But we did define what a basic e-reader that would be exempt would be. There'd be no LCD screen that is optimized for reading. Rather, it would be more typically what you'd see on a tablet. A device would have no camera, and the device would not be offered or shipped to consumers with the built-in ACS client, and the device manufacturers does not develop ACS applications for the device. It has to be marketed to consumers as a reading device, and promotional materials can't talk about ACS. Um, so some of these devices had browsers that were really used to help download and access the reading functions. And in February of this year, we granted a ongoing waiver, but we've asked for them to report to us in February of 2019 with a study of the technological developments and marketing of these devices, um, after which the FCC may consider whether to make any adjustments to the waiver or whether to terminate it if the FCC determines that the ACS has become a co-primary purpose of these devices. One of the things that was very helpful to us is around the time that we granted this, Um, Amazon has come up with an accessible e-reader by being able to plug in uh, external speaker headphones and by having uh, text to voice conversions on the e-reader. And a shout-out to Amazon for developing that, and hopefully the other e-reader manufacturers will voluntarily follow suit.
0: That was Elliot Greenwald, the deputy chief of the Disability Rights Office at the Federal Communications Commission. Mr. Greenwald addressed the conference and convention of the American Council of the Blind on July 4th of this year in Minneapolis, Minnesota. You can listen to ACB Reports, the ACB Braille Forum, and the eForum by phone. Just dial 605-475-8154. That's 605-475-8154. Want to enjoy ACB radio but have no computer? it's all there for you by phone. Call 605-475-8130. That's 605-475-8130. The long distance charges and minute usage of your calling plan will apply.